You know, as I reflected on the past 80 years, as I thought about the, God the Father, Jesus the Savior and Son, and the Holy Spirit, I thought of the, thought of the many ways and many truths that were so true in my life. And, and foremost came to my mind that God is faithful. If you are a child of God, I'm telling you, God is faithful. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, it talks about the faithfulness of God. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the earth. And it says that he is, in verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to his, your fathers, God has brought you out of mighty, with his mighty hand and, and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of of Pharaoh of Egypt. And then he, this verse, therefore, this is what I want you to see. Therefore, the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. Let me say that again to you. Therefore, the Lord your God, he is God. He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with a thousand generations of, with those who love him and keep his commandments. So as I've reflected on my life, I'm just overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God. One verse that I can't get over that we all can relate to, it, is, it goes like this in Lamentations 3. Because of, it is because of your great mercies that we are not consumed. They are fresh every morning. Great, O oh God, is your faithfulness. But then I begin to think not only how faithful God is, but I thought about the message that God gave me the first time I ever preached and that I've never stopped preaching it before, since then. It's always been the theme of where, wherever I was from the mother of all the many churches that I pastored. And my life verse is this, and it's, it's a wonderful verse for any person, but it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we do not preach ourselves. That's pretty significant, isn't it? It's not about us building our kingdom. We do not preach ourselves, but what do we preach, y'all? Christ Jesus, our Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So the message of my heart and my ministry has been, it's been all about Jesus, all about who he is, and what he came to do in each one of our lives. And so today I'm just going to preach on the Lord Jesus. And you know, I love at this Christmas season to reflect on Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. I want you to look at it. It'll be on the screen. For in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God 
to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel goes on and says, And having come, the angel said to her, and listen to this, Rejoice, highly favored one. Don't you know? Here's Mary, just, just a, a young virgin maiden. And here an angel has said, Mary, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And when the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And I love this. And she'll call his name Jesus. And it goes on and says, for he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of, of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no in. What a tremendous word. And we're going into the next verse and it says, Then Mary said to the angel, How shall it be, since I do not know a man? How can it be? And the angel said to her, Boy, this is good. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of, of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born to you will be called the Son of God. And now, so we'll, we'll stop at that verse right there. You know, so the message of Christmas, the message of my life, Christ Jesus the Lord, run, run, run right together. But there's a, a verse that I, I, uh, is really significant I want you to get. And, 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 it, and it, it's what Paul said about what he preached and why he did it. In, in, in Colossians uh, 1, 26 through 29, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. Hold it right there. He said, Now this message has been hidden for many generations, but now God has revealed it to the saints. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but which has now been revealed to the saints, and it says, to them God will to make known uh, the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Aren't you listening to this? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said it's been a mystery. Now it's been revealed to the Gentiles as well as the Jews that the hope of glory is Christ living in us. The Christ in you, the hope of glory. But look at this. And this is what needs to be true today. Him we preach. Now Paul said, we preach Jesus. It's him we preach. Look why. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, mature in Christ. Hey, the message of the church today is the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we preach that message, warning every person, man or woman, that we may present each one of them mature and perfect in Christ. Well, 
You know, when uh, the angel said to Mary, we're going to call his name Jesus, you know, a lot happened during those three years, 33 years. And we get to the place after Jesus had died on the cross and rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father in majesty on high. We read this in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he is God, did not consider it something to be held on to, to be equal with God. But he made himself, this is Jesus, he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant, and he came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then, then it says this, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. I'm telling you, when you speak the name of Jesus, something happens in your life. Something happens in the atmosphere around you. And something happens in the lives of other people. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those things in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, so I want to speak to you today about the powerful name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. Now, let me say this to you. Everything that Jesus is, he is in his name. The name Jesus is not some magical charm or magical word that you say. No, you've got, got to understand. You cannot separate Jesus from his name. Everything he is, he is in his name. So when you speak the name of Jesus... Behind that name is all the power and authority of the Son of God. I was talking to some recently, and they were in a situation where everything was going downhill real fast, and everything was out of control, and that individual felt led to say, well, Jesus is in the, is, is in the middle of this, and everything changed. Everything moved in another direction. Because she had spoken the name of Jesus, and the power and authority that was going on. You know how many times people have told me, man, Brother Fred, I'd wake up in the night. I would be afraid. I would be scared. I didn't know what was going on. And, and it just it seemed like there was an oppression. And I just began to speak the name of Jesus. And the atmosphere changed. And soon, where there was fear and uncertainty, the peace of God came upon me. Let me tell you something. You cannot separate Jesus from his name. And behind his name and in his name is all the power and authority. That's why the Father said, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, I want to speak to you about, about four things about the name of Jesus. First of all, the name of Jesus is a saving name. It is the saving name of Jesus. You know, there's no other name under heaven 
whereby we must be saved. Listen to John 1, 10, verses 10 through 13. And it talks about, hey, you, you want to be saved? You want your sins to be forgiven? You, know what, you, you want to know what it is not to be guilty and not to be ashamed? You don't want to know what it is to have peace with God? Then you've got to be saved. And man, how do you get, listen to this. He was in the world, Jesus was, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. But he came unto his own, the Jews. He came unto his own, and the own, his own did not receive him. But get this. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. You know, he came to the Jews first, but they missed it. They missed him. But then he came to the Gentiles. But he said, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God who believe on his name. And then th this, and, and notice the last part of that verse. To them who believed on his name. To them who believed on his name. The name of Jesus is a saving name. And behind him, is all, that name is all the power and authority of Jesus to save a person from their sin. But also, uh, look at Romans 10, 9, and 10. See, people want to confuse about salvation. Well, how's a person really saved? How's a person's sins are forgiven? How does a person go from death to life? How's a person go from, from death to life? How do they go from darkness to light? How do they go from being a child of the devil to becoming a child of God? Well, it says here, it's, you know, he said, well, you've got to be in the right church. That's, that, that has nothing to do with it. A person needs to be in the right church. But you need to do the right things. You need to be baptized. You need to be sprinkled. You need to be confirmed. Hey, but that's not it. I'm not saying anything negative about it, but it's just not it. Listen to what it says. That if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, oh, it's the saving name of Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, not just the mind, with the heart, that's your mind, your emotions, your will. It's your soul. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness, believes in Jesus. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's the saving name of Jesus. I love that verse in John 20, verses 30 and 31. Powerful verse, John 20. And truly did Jesus many, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples, which were not written in this book, the book of John. Listen, but these are written, don't miss this. Why was the book of John written? That these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you may have life in his name. Life in his name. Let me tell you about the powerful name of Jesus. It is the name above every name. And you understand that it is the saving name of Jesus. I love Acts 4 verses 10 through 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man, by this, this man stands here whole. And it goes on and says in the next verse, the stone which was rejected by the builders has become the chief cornerstone. All right, now here it is. People say all roads lead to heaven. 
as long as you're sincere, as long as you do the best you can with the religion you have, you're going to heaven. No, 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 no. Listen to what this says. See, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I believe the Bible, when God, the Bible settles it, it's, it, the Bible speaks it, it settles it, okay? It's really not up for debate. For there's, nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven, Jesus, whereby, uh, no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I hope I've made it clear. Jesus is the only way for you to be forgiven, for you to be changed, for you to have eternal life. He is the only way that you'll ever be saved. You'll not be saved by your works, and your works are important. You will not be saved by the rituals or rites. No, it's only through Jesus Christ that you can be born again and have, an, and have a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the message I've preached. For all these years. And there's not another message. Any, any that way to compare. Let's don't confuse it y'all. Let's don't confuse it. You say sincerity is all that's necessary. Listen to me. There is a way that seems right to man. But the end thereof is the way of death. The way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord judges the heart. Well let's move on to the next thing. It is not only the saving name of Jesus. It is the sanctifying name of Jesus. Jesus Christ not only saves you if you repent of your sins and place your trust in him, but you know what he does? He gives you the power to live the Christian life. You see, we somehow get the idea, I'm saved through faith and repentance of my sin and faith in Jesus. I'm saved that way, but now when I get saved, I got I to gotta do the best I can. It's like Jesus saves you and puts you in the boat, but then you've got to row your own boat. That is not true. See, Jesus who saves us, the powerful, powerful person of Jesus in his name, is the one who gives us the power to live the Christian life. Hey, somebody asked me, is the Christian life difficult? No, it's impossible. It's impossible. The only person that ever lived the Christian life was Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And you will not be able to live the Christian life in your own power. Hey, you know, it's tough uh, 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 to obey God. It says, you know, in that passage when Jesus was talking about, he said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. I said, Lord, you're telling me to love my enemies. I got trouble loving the neighbor next door. You understand? But said, you can't do that in your own power. But I'm telling you, in the powerful person of Jesus, in the powerful name of Jesus, I'm telling you, he gives you the power to live the Christian life. It says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Boy, this is, what, this is where you get the power to live the Christian life. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Two laws working in your life. And, and the power of, uh, of whatever you call it when you break the uh, atmosphere. And you, uh, the power of gravity. Whatever it is. But see there's the law of sin and death. But the only way you can get out of the power of the law of sin and death. Is by the power of, of the spirit of God. And that, and that helps you break that. The law, in, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has set me free from the law of sin and death. For 
for what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemns sin in the flesh. Hey, the name above every name, the powerful name of Jesus. But listen to me, everything he is, he is in his name. And all the authority and power of Jesus is in his name. And I'm telling you, he gives you the power to live the Christian life. In Galatians 5, 22 through 25, now how do you live the Christian life? Now I want you to look at this verse. This is the life of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now wait a minute. It says the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of struggling, not the fruit of striving, not the fruit of doing the best you can, the fruit of the Spirit, being surrendered to Jesus as Lord and letting the Holy Spirit control your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and gentleness and kindness and self-control and peace. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit is the life of Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit's controlling your life, then he'll produce that in you. I'm telling you, I think about it. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, long-suffering, patience. That's Jesus, y'all. But I can't do that in my own power. But it is the fruit of the Spirit. Capital S. It is not the fruit of self-effort. So it's the sanctifying name of Jesus. The saving name of Jesus. The sanctifying name of Jesus. But boy, this, this is a, so important. It's the mediating name of Jesus. A mediator. The name of Jesus is a mediating name. It says, I urged you when I went to, Madison, uh, to Macedonia to remain that you may cha- charge some that they teach no other doctrine and give heed to, not to give heed to fables or endless gene- genealogies which cause disputes rather than uh, edification, which is of God. And then it goes on in verse 4. For the purpose of the commandment is love of the pure heart from a good conscience and from sincere faith. And it says, from which you have turned and enjoyed and turned aside to, uh, to, uh, to idle talk. Guess what? That was not what I wanted to read. I think I missed it one book. I think it's Second Timothy. Now you can laugh, but nobody, listen, are any of y'all perfect out there? I mean, come on, <laughs> give me a break. This is it. Skip on to verse 4. All right. All right. Go on to verse 5. Go on to verse (laughs) 6. I don't know where it is. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what it says. I know what the verse is. It says, there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Now listen to that. It's in the Bible, just because I can't find it. I'm telling you, it's in there. There's one mediator between God and man. One go-between. One person who bridges the gap. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be uh, uh, shown in due time. Okay, so there's the mediating name of Jesus. Now let me tell you, you know what that means? Have you ever wondered why we're told to pray in Jesus' name? 
We're taught all, all through the Bible that we pray in Jesus' name. Why is that? All right? I want you to look in John 14, 13 and 14. Now listen to Jesus. He's, a, he's our mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. All right? It says, and whatever you ask, you're praying. In my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, I understand what that means. The mediator between us and the Father is the Lord Jesus. And he is our Savior and our Lord. We're robed with his righteousness, forgiven of our sins, robed in his righteousness. So we come to the Father in Jesus' name. And he says, whatsoever you ask the Father in me, I will do it. If you ask anything, look here, in my name, he'll do it. And that means what it says. So we pray in Jesus' name. He is our mediator. John 16, uh, uh, verses 23 and 24. Now listen to this. What part of this don't we understand? John 16. And in that day, you will ask me nothing, Jesus said. But most assuredly, I say to you, get it. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, you say, well, that means I can just ask the Lord for a new car and a new house and a Rolex. No, no, no. What you, you go, if you ask it in Jesus' name, you could be asking what Jesus wants you to ask. And that's what he says. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Why is it that we say, we pray, and then we say in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, amen. Because that's what he said. He's our mediator. We're to pray in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard was by one of the godliest men I knew, Ron Dunn. I loved him, man. He, you know, most of his life he fought depression. But he rose above it, and uh, his young son committed suicide when he was about 18. But Ron, he always had a word from God. When I heard he was going to speak, I couldn't wait to get there because I knew he'd been in the presence of God, and I knew he had a word from God, and I never in my life came away disappointed. And there's still books and tapes out there by him. I, I recommend it highly to you. But he told this story. He took his uh, two children to the fair. And, you know, at the fair, you got to, the different rides, and like he'd go to the Ferris wheel and he'd go and he'd buy a ticket and two tickets and give them to, their two, to his two sons. And then they would give it to the guy at the ticket thing and they would ride the Ferris wheel. And then they'd go to the bumper cars and he'd buy two tickets and give one to his son and one to his other son and, uh, at, at the gate there and they'd give it to the guy. And he did this for a while. And finally he said, you know Let's, let's don't go, go to the gate, every gate to buy a ticket. Let's just get a roll of tickets and when you come. So every ride they'd go to, his first son would come and he'd give him a ticket. His second son would come and he'd give him his ticket. And here comes this young boy he ain't ever seen in his life. He said, what do you want? I said, I want a ticket. He said, why should I give you a ticket? He said, your son told me you would. He said, if my son told you he would, I'm going to honor his word. And he gave him a ticket. Why should the, de the devil says, why should God answer your prayer? 
Because Jesus told me he would. Boy, I never get beyond that. It's a powerful thing. And so he's a mediating name of Jesus. So it's the saving name of Jesus, the sanctifying name of Jesus, the mediating name of Jesus. And you know, it's a strong, oh yes, it is the strong name of Jesus. Strong. You know, whether we like it or not, we're in a spiritual battle. Let me just listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to say it. It says, put on the whole armor of God, for, you're not, for you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, of spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a spiritual battle. When the devil was cast out of he heaven, a third of the angels came with him. And, and the chances of you ever having a face-to-face -face or any kind of encounter with Satan himself are slim to none. But I guarantee you, you can be oppressed by a demon. And, and you can be, some people, open the door and possessed. But you see, there is a, it is a spiritual battle. But Jesus has already won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so, what about the strong name of Jesus? All right, look at Acts chapter 16. Here's Paul. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Boy, the, even the demons knew who Jesus is. And th this she did for many days. But finally, Paul, being greatly annoyed, turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. You notice he didn't say, I command you in my eye. He said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the strong name of Jesus has power over every spiritual enemy that we have. And then I love this one. Jesus sent the disciples out by 70, by twos. He sent, sent 70 of them out by twos. And the 70 returned. This is found in uh, John, uh, in Luke 16, 17 uh, through 20. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name and then what jesus said don't don't rejoice in that rejoice your name's written in heaven he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven behold i give you authority over trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and then nothing by any means shall hurt you and then he said but nevertheless do not rejoice that in the name and power of jesus you have power over demons that there's that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You know, really, I, I, there's no other message that I have. Because I want to tell you something. The Bible says in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. You say, but brother Fred, Jesus is not enough. Guess what? You are wrong. He is enough. It's just you've got to get in, in fellowship with him and surrender to him. You know, so there's a strong name uh, of Jesus, a powerful name. 
But you know, something has always troubled me. And, 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 and I know it troubles you because we really don't have an answer. But you know, there, there's the strong name of Jesus in the area of healing. In the area of healing. And over in uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, uh, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, there uh, was a lame man, lame from his birth, sitting at the, in the gate of the temple. And by the way, this lame man sitting in the gate of the temple asking alms, Jesus had passed him by many times. Passed him by many times. Obviously, he never cried out to Jesus. I don't know. But this lame man sitting there who saw Peter and John uh, and, uh, and fixing uh, Peter and John and, and, and asking them for alms and fixing his eyes on him John, John, with John, Peter said to him, look at us. So he gave them attention, expecting to receive something from him, that they were going to put something in his basket. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give, in the, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And look at this. Boy, this shook him up. And leaping, and, and, he, and he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Wow, that scared Baptists to death. <laughs> scared me to death. Listen, he said, in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you to be well. And then over in James it says, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. If they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Now, here's the problem. We're always praying for people that are sick, always. Always. And I've, 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 I've ministered to people who had a strong faith. I mean, it, it, it was much bigger than a grain of mustard seed. But they prayed. And we prayed. Some of them got healed and got well. But some of them didn't get healed. And some of them died. Well, does that mean that God doesn't keep his word? No. No. All I can say to you, we have been instructed in the word of God to pray for the sick. And we're to pray in faith. And faith believing and asking God to heal him, heal them. And sometimes God says yes. And sometimes God says no. Now, if somebody comes up to you and says, well, you know why they didn't get healed. Well, you didn't have enough faith. All I got to say about that, that's baloney. Listen, that's a good Greek word for it. You're praying with all the faith you have. You wouldn't be asking God if you didn't have some faith. And he said, if you have faith of a grain of mustard seed. So let me just say this. In the sovereignty of God, there's some things we don't understand. We do not understand. And when we don't understand, we have to trust the unseen hand of God. So, does that mean we quit praying for the sick? No. We keep right on praying for them. 
and rejoice when they're healed. But some of them are going to get the ultimate healing when they go to heaven. I remember I did a funeral yesterday. It wasn't a fu- I don't like the word funeral. A celebration service for a child of God yesterday. And I remember she had surgery, didn't know really what it was, and she found out she had pancreatic cancer. Well, I think it was about three days after her surgery because they didn't do much after they cut her open. She was at church. I mean, it wasn't hardly a week. I said, she said, I, I just want to come and want you to know that I'm trusting God. And I believe God's my healer. And I'm going to pray. And I just want to stand strong in the Lord. And I, I'm telling you, she prayed. We prayed. I mean, she fought. I mean, she fought a spiritual battle. But you know, she ultimately won. Do you know that? There's some things worse than uh, dying. (laughs) It's dying without Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, yesterday we celebrated the fact that now she's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing him face to face. Hey, come on. We pray for him to be healed in one way or another. If they're a child of God, they're going to be healed either way. But we are to pray, and we are to pray in faith. It's the strong name of Jesus. And here's the last part, last one I'm going to get to, and that is this. It's a, you say, well, I'm glad you're getting to that last point. Well, anyway, come on. All right, I've talked about the saving name of Jesus, the sanctifying name of Jesus, the mediating name of Jesus, the powerful, strong, powerful name of Jesus, but the serving name of Jesus. Oh, we serve in his name. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Now listen to this. This is an awesome verse. Whatever you do. Now I looked up that word whatever in the Greek. Guess what it means? Y'all got it. Whatever. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, every time we do something for an individual, you know, and we're doing it because of our faith in Christ, whatever we do for the ch- as a church in ministering to the needy, and, and uh, our people do an amazing job at that, an amazing job. Uh, just you remember, we're doing it in Jesus' name. And they need to know that we're doing it in Jesus' name because it's because of him that we give of what God has given us. And so I'm telling you, we do what we do in the name of Jesus. We serve him. But there's one, one, one uh, uh, part that's kind of trouble to me. But I, 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 I know it's right and I understand it. But uh, I'm going to read this verse and then I'm, I'm going to pray. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. We all know we're saved by grace through faith and not by our works. However, we were created in Christ Jesus to good works. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and with his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, 
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat, gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when, when did you see us? When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we do that? He said, oh, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And listen to what he said. And the king answered and said, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Wow. You know, when you minister to people, it's just like you're ministering to Jesus. He said, as much you did it to one of the least of these. You see, there's a serving name of Jesus. Jesus said, he that would be greatest among you, let him become your servant. We think greatness is this or that. No. He said, in my kingdom, in the world's kingdom, they lord it over each other. But in my kingdom, he that would be greatest among you, let him become your servant.